everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host who does the most, Jasmine Ellis, and I am so excited. Now, as you've heard me talk about, I am a Texan through and through. Uh, even though I'm here in Los Angeles, I am a Texan. I was uh, around during that blizzard and whatnot. And so it's so exciting to me to talk to someone who is a Dallas icon. Uh, <laughs> the band responsible for one of the coolest online publications on the planet. He's kind of sort of my husband's boss sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Friend. <laughs> the very talented, incredibly smart Pete Friedman, everybody. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. This is fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, I checked out some past episodes. Let's rock it. All right. Wow, you just said let's rock it. So like no positive or negative <laughs> feedback, just let's do this. Oh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm enjoying it. No, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm very sensitive. I need you to say it's good. I need you to say That's so <laughs> weird for an artist to be sensitive. Oh, I'm sensitive about my shit. Erica Badu. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I mean, so I've spent my career like writing about artists and you know musicians comedians whoever yeah are they're they're a sensitive lot it's uh you know you can it can get a a little dicey pretty quick oh yeah oh yeah but but we won't go there we won't go there we won't go there wait we won't go there now (laughs) who's the most sensitive like who would you say is the most touchy like like chip on their shoulder sensitive not sensitive like in a sweet way but like sensitive and like will fight you if you say the wrong thing to them who is the most testy individual you've had to deal with i i mean i i I once got almost into a fight with like the lead people of the polyphonic spree because they didn't like something that we wrote about them uh so yeah it's 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 you know it's happened a bunch over the years and it's taught me to tell other young writers uh like never never say something in print that you wouldn't say to someone's face. So like, if you're going to be saying like, this is the worst album I've ever heard, you know, F this band, whatever, you might run into them at the bar next week. So you better be able to back that up. So uh, you got to be ready to say that to their face. So you have to, you know, be, be uh, firm in your positions with your criticisms. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Yeah. I also think, too, would you say, like, as a critic, because that's kind of what you do in a lot of your work, as a critic, do you feel like maybe we're getting to this point where people are being too absolute about their opinions? I've noticed that. I feel like everyone likes to say, this is the best, or this is the worst, not this is my favorite, or this is a very good, or this is a very bad. Am I crazy? Or, or is No, you're not, or, you're not crazy. I, I don't know how necessarily new that is, but I do think in, like, the age of, yeah, maybe on, like, Twitter and everything, like I was thinking the other day, because I, I think like half the time people recommend a show on like Twitter or Facebook, it's just because they want other people to watch it too. Like like they want to be able to talk to other people about it. So like, it's so good. And it's really, they just want, you know, they're like there's this checklist through life that we all go through with content, I feel like sometimes. So um, yeah, there, there are absolutes that we're dealing with, I think at times. And uh, that can be dangerous. The trick is it's when it's in the middle that it's hardest to like formulate your opinion on as a writer or as a layperson. So I think it's easier to run to those polls. Yeah, that's true. I I will say, I think maybe what I'm thinking of is just like the impulse that like normal people have to be on this level of criticalness. Cause they're like, you know, if I say, if I haven't, you know, if I tweet something that's interesting enough, it'll, and most people don't, nobody's going to share. I thought this show was pretty good. There were moments that weren't so good. That's not shareable. If you say this was the no, dumbest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> no, for sure. And I've learned that in, in, you know, just random criticism that we've done about like restaurants or something. Uh, 
it gets more traction if we're like this restaurant you've never heard of sucks than if we're like this restaurant every everybody loves is okay you're clicking <laughs> on the one that's like oh i gotta hear about this restaurant that sucks so i get that and yeah we live in this like and retweet fueled culture which is wild. wild and uh <laughs> yeah no i mean because you, you know sometimes you got to deal with like you know the beehive or like the k-pop stands or whatever if you go too far i guess sometimes with some people uh i don't know i don't know if there's a definitive answer there i think again yeah just for your own sake don't go out here saying wild shit that you're gonna regret like you because you because there have been times there have been times that i've regretted things uh you know that i've said but also like i think you gotta you gotta wear that stuff you gotta like the, you have to be firm in your opinions like i was saying before did you regret saying it or more so like regret the backlash like if there hadn't been a negative backlash would you actually regret it and this is actually a perfect segue and i'll let you answer and then it's gonna be a perfect segue into the next segment so go on okay no i think it's like i think it goes to that rush to judgment thing of like wanting to you know say something absolute like i've gone back and listened to albums like you know because there there have been times where we reviewed something as soon as it came out and i'm like oh this stinks or this is great it's tough it's tough to have that that first blush uh experience be the definitive one i guess is what, mm. I'm, what I'm ultimately saying and uh opinions can change over time you know certainly you know you can grow into things and you can grow out of them both so i think uh there's a real danger in rushing to judgment especially if you're not firm on it that is interesting so it's funny that you talk about taking things back and like big because i what we do with the show is each episode has a music history segment. That's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I don't consider myself an expert by any means. So I'm exploring and learning as I go, but I have been choosing moments that are a little bit recent in pop culture to see like, at least so like you and me can both say where we were when this moment happened. So I was looking okay. into groups that started in Dallas or groups or, or singers or musicians that had Dallas roots. And I didn't know this. But the Dixie Chicks started in 1989 in Dallas, Texas. Did you know that? I knew that. And now they go by the Chicks. Yes. Which I think is a very was that, interesting Was that the history lesson? <laughs> no. No, okay. no, 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 no. When I said we were talking about wishing you could take something back, I'm talking about the, the moment heard around the world where Natalie, the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, um, publicly spoke out against President Bush, who was president at the time. There was a time before young people you know, 20 year olds were born. There was a time when he was president. And like, I don't like, I, like anyone young even listens to me. Um, like, but anyways, there was, I was just making fun of myself uh, on the last episode talking about like how I didn't get Billie Eilish at first. And I was like, oh, this is my, you know, you have that moment when something geared towards young people just doesn't resonate with you. And you're like, oh, I'm, I've officially hit that age. We're like, I just, I can, I can appreciate that something's not for me and go, this is cool. But like, I, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm officially like, oh, this is for people younger than me. Like, I think I remember the first time, like when One Direction got big and I was like, oh, these are for children. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I, but like, have you heard the new Harry Styles stuff? Cause it's like, no, Harry's, I like him. He's cute. He's adorable. But I just, it's not even like, I get his appeal, but I, I don't find him sexually attractive, but I'm also like 10 years older than him. So there's, you know, there's that. Got, well, there's um, also like, there's copious studies about the fact that like your music taste just like stops growing in your mid thirties. Yep. 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 yep, yep. And that's, I know I'm there because <laughs> like my all time favorite artist is Beyonce. And you know, if in 10 years, Beyonce does a residency in Vegas, I'm going to get a sequence fanny pack and I'm gonna be like, we're going to the casino. Like that's what oh, we're yeah. going to do. <laughs> my taste 
are going to flatline. You know, like I just, I'm just going to keep following the projects of artists I already like. And then artists uh, who sound like artists I already like. I know it. I know. Like my mom's. I, I think artist. I'm already there. Like I'm yeah. already there. Yeah. Like my mom's Which favorite new artist is Bruno Mars because he sounds like people she listened to. She was, you know what I mean? He's mimicking yeah. the sound of what she liked growing up. So like, but how, how good is that project with Anderson Park? Love it. First of all, right? I, love okay. how they, I love how they calculated the perfect TikTokable song because it's like already trending where just like people lip singing that. What you doing? Where are you at? It's just I don't even give yourself like artists. Artists write for that now, like a hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all, about, it's all about that TikTok. Yeah. Megan the Stallion's excellent at it. So taking it back to our music lesson here, do That's you ours. remember where you were in the world when you heard about this? Was it was it a, a murmur in your life, or was it a bang? Was it something that mattered, or something like no one was talking about around you? You know, the the, the chicks uh, were kind of always like in in the cultural background a little bit for me. I have like a distinct memory of like playing in like my neighbor's backyard as a kid. And like hearing his family listening to the chicks, like while doing a barbecue. And I was like, I was just like, who is this? And they're like, oh, the Dixie chicks. And I was like, okay. And that's like kind of where they always existed for me. Um, I guess the Bush thing that, I mean, that happened after nine 11, right? So to give you the exact story from the history.com, which published a great article about this, when their backlash began in response to critical comments made about him by singer Natalie Maines in the run up to the 2003 invasion of Iraq, President George W. Bush offered this as a response. The Dixie Chicks are free to speak their mind. They can say what they want to say. Of the backlash, the Chicks, then known as the Dixie Chicks, were then facing within the world of country music. President Bush added, they shouldn't have their feelings hurt just because some people don't want to buy their records when they speak out. This music related slide show in the biggest international news story of the year, beginning March 12, 2003, when the British newspaper The Guardian published its review of the Chicks concert at the Shepherd's Bush Empire in London two nights earlier. So around this time, you got, I remember, here's what I remember. I remember being like 11 years old and like other kids, parents telling them they weren't allowed to listen to the Dixie Chicks. I remember seeing uh, like videos of people like crushing their CDs and like, uh, yeah. and like this, stations this, refusing to play it. This feels like a big moment of like the revival of like the disco sucks and breaking records thing with, but breaking the CDs. Um, yeah. So I'll be honest. So, so I would have been, I would have been like 19 around that time. So I'm a little older than you. And I get this, like it kind of bleeds in with like freedom fries. If you remember freedom fries. Yes. <laughs> where like, the, like the, where the French were, were, were not, fucking with the states at the time either and like george bush i think made a proclamation like they're no longer french fries they're freedom fries and it was just like you know when you look back at stuff like that it's it's you know you you think like maybe we were always crazy politically uh, but that was certainly the beginning of maybe my awareness of how politically uh crazy things can get like across cultures here in america what was interesting is it's like it's like Trump. I guess that was also around the time that like Toby Keith did your, your like, uh, we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American Way song, right? <laughs> yes. So uh, what just, was just wild, wild time. That was called, uh, oh, I, I forget. But it's, uh, I mean, it, oh, God. I, it's on the tip of my We'll tip. put a boot in your ass. It's the American God Way. bless America. Freedom ain't free. I'm doing the whole song. 
something no. about no <laughs> i mean i could google it but <laughs> okay so no. what i think is so funny about what you're pointing out because i don't necessarily believe i don't remember if george w himself said like freedom fries it's it's funny because it's like when you look at what bush did at the time he said all of this like whimsical nonsense with like a texany draw that made people real, feel real folksiness to it yeah, yes, just real folksy. And it made them feel a certain way, but he never like, <laughs> it's like Trump stood on the shoulders of that and just went crazier. You know what I mean? Like he just says out loud, like when you think about the way that people would like listen to Bush and then make connections that were kind of crazy, it's like just Trump just says out loud the, cra- and that's what makes us when we look back at Bush, we look at him as this like kinder, gentler version. Am I crazy? I mean, we're get, we're get- no, no, but we're also like I'm sure that's how like people on the the right react to the folksiness of and hucksterness of Biden, right? It's true. like oh god, like no malarkey. That was the name of his campaign tour. Like, are you kidding me? So like it's it's you know, uh, Why have all, I never always heard that you didn't know that like that was like on the side of the bus. No malarkey. No. The no malarkey you, tour. You gotta understand. So, uh, it's very funny how social media can send you completely different messages. I feel like the powers yeah. that be. Or like, no, 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 she is a, a black woman between 25 and 35. We are going to send her the, the very Kamala-centric oh, version yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah, Joe, we did it. Uh, but yeah, you and I have totally different TikTok for you pages, I'm sure. The campaign was basically, <laughs> the campaign was Kamala and that dude. Like, that's what that's what I was yeah. getting on my end. Oh, I couldn't yeah. tell you what Biden was doing other than wearing aviator sunglasses. Like, I could not tell you. Right. No, for sure. But no, I I think, you know, I do remember the chicks like it was a big deal that they were banned on the radio. Mm -hmm. And this was also around the time like I kind of had like a a phase where I was like watching CMT. (laughs) Like like, because it was right next to MTV. So and they actually showed music videos. I'd like check it out during like real world marathon commercials, just like pop it on so I don't have to. You know, watch another like proactive ad starring Jessica Simpson again. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I guess I was like, I was definitely starting to get aware of country music at that time. And I don't know that country music before that, weirdly, I don't know that it really was as political as it as it's since become. And that's an interesting thing, too, because I'm looking into some pretty cool, pretty cool reports about basically what they were trying to create. Now, of course, the the chicks themselves came together on their own uh, collaboration, different musicians. But the record labels really pushed them because it was supposed to be like the country answer to the Spice Girls. They were riding this Gen X wave of like wanting a female fronted. And for me, as a very, very, very casual country listener, it was the first time I had seen girls singing country music. And like, even though I wasn't a big country fan i liked how sing-alongable it was you know i remember earl had to die and all that fun stuff so they were like they were being put forward as like role models what's interesting is that there was a bit of a like uh industry like uh putting together there because natalie was not the original singer Mm -mm, the sisters were the ones who started in the band and they're the ones who here in dallas like you can see their pictures up at all good cafe in deep ellum but Natalie joined like once the the sisters got involved in like the major label rigmarole. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted, they liked like her intentional. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a, it, there's a much more deliberate twang to the way she sings. Like it just makes oh, you yeah. categorize it as extra country. 
And uh, I just think that's so interesting. So yeah, they had a huge moment, you know, between like 94 and 99 and then 2003 hits and things just go south for them. And then they take a 15 year hiatus. And the next time we see them is at the CMT awards with Beyonce, uh, another crazy, uh, crazy, awesome Texas controversy there where she makes a country record. They don't want to recognize as a country record. Uh, yeah. which is always so interesting. The, de- the decision of what makes country and what doesn't make country like that always, like I'm, a, I'm a yeah, big fan I mean, there, there was a, there, it was a big, it was a big uh, controversy with Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. That was like huge. You know, he had Billy Ray Cyrus on his song and you know, it's still not, not good enough. What's your opinion? Is that a, is, is old town road a country song or not to you? I would I'd say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's an aesthetic, uh, mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it, there's also real danger in like boxing anything into any genre, you know, and a lot of art sh- uh, really succeeds when it blends genres. So, you know, uh, there's, there's a question of what, why, why, why do we even need to gatekeep country music? There's like five different country music awards, by the way. So like, why do they need so much recognition for all this gatekeeping of like country ideals? Like, what are we really saying there? I don't, I'm, I'm not really trying to project that, but it's, but it's, you know, I think that's a fair okay. thought. I felt it was pretty obvious with that. I think it's funny, though, because there was so much like, is it really country just because it infused country and hip hop? But like Florida Georgia Line had been a whole lot of nothing for like oh, six yeah. years. <laughs> no, that's with true. With I mean, the track. <laughs> yeah, I will say, uh, I, do you remember the Nelly Tim McGraw track? Because that one actually. Oh, my sang. gosh. Where it looked like they were singing to each other. I love that. Video. Over and over again. I keep on over and over again. Yeah. That was, uh, that was it's all in my head. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like the king of collabs, Nelly himself. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it is weird. And, you know, I basically had been able to avoid Florida Georgia line for a long time. But yeah, I mean, they're. Like they have full like rap breakdowns, like in every yeah. song. So there was a there was also a nice, nice little hot moment in country, and it's funny that I chose country. Is like I'm sure that's not your preferred music of choice, but I just I you like, know in in my job of writing about like Dallas music, I, I like that's my thing. It's like is it Dallas or is it <laughs> Texas or is it North Texas? So like I don't have the luxury of looking at like just one genre or something like that. I got to look at like whatever's hot around here. So I kind of. I kind of can't gatekeep at all genre wise. The only gatekeeping I can do is be like, no man, you're from Austin. Get out of here. Like we don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, like that's the gatekeeping that I do, but I have to be able to write like about metal, hip hop, country, uh, you know, Western swing, like all of it. So like uh, EDM, what I try to do is just have fun with the uh, approach to music and, you know, as best I can and try to have fun with it and try to judge it on the, you know, on the like genre on like try to judge it on like what it's trying to accomplish. Yes. And, and I appreciate uh, that. And not necessarily on like my own personal taste. So like I can, you know, there's stuff that I think, you know, I think I, at this point, I think I can judge a country song maybe better than I could back then, but you have to kind of, ju- you have to judge everything in the realm in which it's trying to perform. I'm a big fan of the yeehaw agenda. I prefer the gayest, <laughs> most feminine versions of country music. So, like, I love Casey Musgraves. Um, I love Maren Morris. It's so funny because yeah. I went to high school with her and junior high and elementary school. And so, like, 
Wait, I, you know her? I always, yeah, I know. I, well, I don't know if she remembers me. It's such a weird thing. So I, I have a like, similar thing with Marin Morris. Guys, okay, let's talk about Marin Morris. Because <laughs> I, when I first came to Dallas and I was writing for the Dallas Observer, I used to get like emails and calls from like her mom to be like, come on out to opening bell and check out my daughter, Marin. And I was oh, like, yeah, I have no, I'm like, I have no interest in going to a coffee shop and writing about your 13 year old daughter, lady, get out of my, my, my voicemail. Uh, but like, we would mention her and like, I knew who she was. And then uh, as like, she started to come up at that point, I was, I was at central track and she used to like our stuff on Twitter all the time. So like, I think she knows what we still are, but God, talk about a blow up. Like she's, she's a major deal now. It is so funny because sometimes, you know, as a sometimes broke, not so broke comedian, sometimes I freelance in different cosmetic stores and like she has like the, she has the soundtrack of retail right now. So like at least three, four times a day, I'm just like, I'm sweeping a floor listening to my classmate <laughs> player music. And it's, it's just really funny because she's so talented, but she was someone who like, she's the same, like her and I are the same age as Taylor Swift. I mean, there was like this kind of this push to get like the new country Britney Spears. Yep. And yep. I've heard some tale that there was like, it was going to be one or the other, you know, and she had a career that started a little bit later in life at like 26, 27. But now, you know, there's not, uh, I read, I watched, Who, Marin? She talks, yeah, you're saying she started now. I mean, she's, she's, her career has been going since like 13. Wait, like she, cause she moved out, she moved out to Nashville at like 17. Oh, no, I, she know was that. I, know, yeah. I know that. I know that. I know that she's been doing stuff. When I say not started, I say like people who don't, I feel like there's a thing like a crossover where she's coming to her own and has become a superstar at like 20. Yes. Like become like a name or like people have heard of them. It is so weird when you spend a lot of time with like lay people who just like, don't you ever like you're talking to someone and you're like, yeah, have you heard of Janelle Monae? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, and you like, literally you can talk about what you think is like, like most people don't know music. Like we know music. You know what I mean? Like most people. So I don't know if that's necessarily true because oftentimes I get really surprised by people. Like, uh, so it's, yeah, it's, I it find goes myself both constantly ways. shocked by how little people know. <laughs> it, it, it goes both ways. It absolutely goes both ways. Because there there will be times when, like, you know, I remember, like, you know, just, like, uh, my, my sister's rehearsal dinner before her wedding, like, eight years ago. I remember being really flustered by, like, one of her friends being like, what's hot right now? Like, what do I need to know? And I, like, threw out a name. It was probably, like, Janelle Monet. And and she was like, I know Janelle Monet. Like, who, who, like who's the real, real? And it's just... You know, you, you hear it all. You absolutely hear it all. I, yeah, I get blown away when, like, really, when someone That's says so- Mike Jones, and then I say who, and they don't know what I'm talking about. Like, like it, it goes, it goes every, every, every which way. And that is uh, so funny. People really, music is such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. It, and that, that's, I mean, that's why you're doing this podcast. That's, you know, that's why it's a good idea. But every, everyone has personal relationships with music. And uh, yeah, to, to your point of the Dixie Chicks question, like it definitely t- transports you back to like uh, a time and place. Yeah. And all I could come up with was Freedom Fries. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that was such a specific era in America where like, yeah. and it's interesting to think about with like the post 9-11 yeah. rush. I was to just going to say, hashtag never forget. Yes, the the propaganda filled craziness where we just kind of got it in our heads that you could never be critical of anyone whatsoever. Now, like being critical of our government is literally some people's livelihood. Like it's 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 a whole <laughs> thing. And eat from both sides. Just we have so much discourse, but there was a time where like discourse was discouraged. 
it was really all about having a very unified front or like at yeah, least seeming er, that er, way. Er, early Dixie chicks, like before they got radical and started criticizing the president <laughs> back, <laughs> back when America, back when America could just enjoy, you know, murder, murdering Earl uh, in the name <laughs> of revenge. That song is a banger. By the way. It really is. It really is. Yeah. It's a great, it's a fantastic breakup song. Like it's, it's really a feminist empowerment anthem, if you will. Yeah. Like, do, are your friends really your ride or dies? Will they hide a body with you? Ask yourself those questions. No, my friends are not ride or dies. Is the answer? Like, absolutely not. No, you don't have anybody to hide a body with you. I, I got some people I could call up. I got some people. You got some people. You got some people who would hide a body with you. Oh, for sure. But okay. I feel like I would hide a body that my sister killed. And I, I don't like. I feel like. I feel like my okay. my little sister is just like on that level where she's just very quiet and very sweet and absolutely would have the bodies. Like I just, I just so know that for a fact. So Jasmine, you're the you're the friend that fixes problems. Yes, I'm the, I'm yeah. the fixer. Okay. I've watched fixer. I've watched enough shows, enough murder shows. So uh, the next section <laughs> of this, sh- <laughs> I'm just like, let me stop incriminating my family and just move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next part of the podcast, I'm going to stay like- away from your sister. By the way, yes. <laughs> So the next part of the podcast that I love to do is a segment where you create your playlist. You give me five songs that you feel kind of tell us who you are, whether it's the story of your building a relationship with music or maybe songs that speak to your romantic relationships. What five songs? You had to pick five songs. Tell us who you are, Pete. So, that, I mean, that's such a, this is such a hard prompt. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it really is because it could be anything. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, tell, tell, pick five songs and tell the story of your life. So, you know, I was, yeah, it's like in high fidelity, right? It's like, uh, do you do it? Do you list your albums chronologically, uh, you know, alphabetical or, uh, autobiographical and you're going the autobiographical route. Um, if I told you I've never seen high fidelity. Would you judge me? No, but I, I've heard, you know, because it's like such sad white guy, mid, midlife, early midlife crisis bullshit. But apparently the Hulu remake with uh, was her daughter, Lisa Bonet's daughter, was apparently pretty yes. good. I did see it. I did not think it was good. I watched every episode. Uh, okay. You watched it? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the okay. thing I never don't finish something. So like I, I once I start, God damn, like I hated this season. That was not good. Uh, it just it was, kind of dry and drags okay. and it's just kind of boring. It's kind of, yeah. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz not a very captivating actress. Like she's, she's beautiful, but she just like, she's just. She's and that's kind just, of her mom's problem. Mm, yeah. They're both just oatmeal in a bowl. And kind just, of her dad's problem. Yeah, like oh, they're they're so attractive and talented, but there's not a lot of there there. I wonder what it's like to just sit around in that house talking about nothing. Like they're just all so beautiful. Probably pretty boring. Honestly, the stepdad's the most interesting, and usually stepdads are pretty like interchangeable. Wait, who's the stepdad? Momoa, Jason Momoa. Oh shit! (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, fine ass Aquaman. Yes. Cal Drogo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I, to, long story short. No, I don't judge you for having not watched high fidelity, but, uh, but like some, like some songs that I considered putting on here, it was like, what is like, like, and this is why I always hate when people ask me like what I've been listening to lately or whatever. Cause I immediately feel judged and I immediately feel like I'm going to be judged. So what I, what I tried to do was just think back to like five songs that uh, I really genuinely liked at different parts of my life. 
uh, I was thinking about songs that I would do karaoke to. Uh, and this is kind of a mix of all that. So do I just start off by telling you the first song? Yeah, go ahead and tell me your first song. What is your, and here's the thing, it doesn't, <laughs> that's the thing that we can feel, don't we, isn't it funny how your music choice feels so personal? Like, it's like, it's like, it's a little bit like your diary there. Cause it's like, what do you want the world to perceive you as? But don't, will we just let all yeah, of that go? This is a judgment-free space. Yeah, no, here. I got it. Yeah. So that's, so I got out what I'm with. Uh, I was, uh, there was a long tail on that kite, but I got over it and I was just like, I'm just picking five songs. I really liked no, no embarrassment. And uh, just we'll see, we can talk a little, a little bit about the time in my life that I really liked those. So I think first up, I guess we'll go chronologically. Uh, Warren G and Nate Dogs regulate. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me explain my knee jerk reaction to laugh. Okay, it is the quintessential Gen X karaoke song. You're cool yeah. enough. Your hat is backwards. You <laughs> like you order a craft beer to like it's just if Yeah, you and I do me, both Warren G and Nate Dogg's parts because if you would have told if someone would have sent me a picture of you and said, Hey, what song do you think he's gonna do for karaoke? I would have oh, said yeah. I would have said regulators, don't stop believing if it's if it's like a family time oh, event and then the fresh oh, that, theme song if he wants to impress everybody. <laughs> I think you just wow. Okay, uh, that's three of my five songs. No, just, just play. But uh, no, but for, I, well, first of all, uh, you hit on a pet peeve of mine with this song. It's just called "Regulate." Oh, oh. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I did say regulate. I know they say regulators mount up, but uh, the song ends, or I guess the story part of the song ends by Warren G saying something. Something Nate Dogg and I had to regulate. And that's where it comes from. So this song, I remember, but before it was like, so it was kind of like a major deal song in my family. I have two older sisters and, uh, you know, we were a family raised kind of on like MTV and uh, Tupac was a big deal at the time. This is like 1994 and he was in that basketball movie above the rim. And this song was like the single from that movie. And it was just like on a loop on like MTV. And it was like, I don't know, my sisters were always singing it. So then I started always singing it. I was like 10. I remember it was like a big deal in my family that like driving us to soccer practice, it came on the radio and my dad started rapping along and we're like, oh, so that was like a really cool moment for us kids. Uh, And then like only like later in life did I realize that it was a, uh, Doobie Brothers sample, uh, Michael McDonald, that it's built around. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought it was Michael McDonald. I forgot he was in the Doobie Brothers. My bad. Yeah, I guess is it. A, it's a Michael McDonald song, I guess. Yeah, and it's, it's I yeah, keep, of the uh, I keep forgetting. Keep not in love yep. I love dun, dun, dun. Michael McDonald. I love. Okay. So much. Do you really? I, okay. I uh, thought he was black like my whole life until I just like okay. got the internet. He's like. <laughs> There's this little collection of white soul singers. I'm just like slowly finding out are white, like over like uh, Bobby. Yeah, there's another guy. Yeah, Bobby something with uh, with uh, something love that that goes viral on Twitter every couple months. Where I've been? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that goes like that same tweet goes viral every couple months on Twitter and being like, this dude's white. 
It's pretty, it's pretty, yeah. We're talking about blue-eyed soul is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like every black child just remembers like scrubbing the floors on Sunday mornings to that. So they just associate it with their grandma and it's just like, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's possible to be from some wavy-haired man. Like it just doesn't think, like it just doesn't. Anyways, Michael. And somehow felt, somehow felt less white than like Hall & Oates, which was like pretty white. God, Hall & Okay, so again, <laughs> I love talking about the intersection between music and culture. So, you know, you know, my husband, my husband uh, is a, is a, is a Caucasian person. When we got married, I made this little playlist to give to our DJ that was like white songs that black people fuck with. Like it was a specific, <laughs> just like this play. I'll find it. I'll send you the link. It was this okay. playlist of songs that I knew that were like, sure. okay. Holiday. So wait, so, so this is, this is, this is what you put on for, you gave to the DJ or like mix some leaves in. Yes. Especially okay. when we were doing like the food and the buffet, you know, it just seemed like the right time to just have a oh little God. bit of a, I can't you, go you, for that. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You have to release that playlist on your own. Like you just have okay. to make that on Spotify. I will. So. Cause it's, it's a, it's a wedding banger. It really is. So talking about Warren G and regulate, it took me to where you were when you first heard it and what it was like, like, how do you feel now when it comes on? Is it nostalgic? Is it, is it hyped? Is it a good feeling? Like where, it's when not, would you listen to it now? When I'm doing karaoke. Uh, and like, if it comes on somewhere, uh, yeah, I'll like, I'll wrap along with it. Like just cat, you know, um, I catch myself like humming it when I'm by myself and I'll like, think about like certain lines. Like if you smoke, like I'm, I smoke, then you're high like every day. Like it's just a banger of a line. Uh, these things come to me, but I don't really seek it out to listen to anymore. I think I've like, yeah, I've hit, like I've hit the threshold. Like, uh, and it's not really a song that you like, like if I'm chilling with my fiance, like, it's not like, Oh, we got to check out regulate right now. Uh, (laughs) I've done some DJing over the years and it's okay. Uh, but it's a song that really is like, it has hit its saturation point for the moment, but it's just really formative. It's very cool. That is yeah. a very so. I got one more question about the song for you. All right, with so many songs being remade, how would mm. you feel if it was remade right now? And who do you think could do it justice? Oh God, uh, I would feel so. Okay, to answer this question, you have to realize that my favorite movie of all time is The Karate Kid, and this is a movie that has been bastardized to hell with remakes and sequels and everything like that. You didn't so appreciate Jaden Smith. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I and I've come around. Like I like the show, um, but I I was not into the show for like a long time. It took me a long time to, to check out the show. So I'm really like numb to that like notion of remakes. And whatnot? I don't think I would think it would be di- uh, disingenuous to remake the retelling of such an important night in Warren G and Nate Dogg's life on the LBC. Uh, you know, and they're chasing skirts and uh, laying back and observing and, uh, you know, doing all that stuff that they're doing with their taking their rings and taking their Rolexes. I don't know. Yeah, they, it would feel disingenuous. I don't know. Like, what, what would it be like schoolboy Q and like uh, ASAP Ferg? Like, no way. Like, like uh, I, 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 I have no idea how this would work. It's uh, it's not the kind of song you would cover because it's a story song. Mm-hmm. I think you'd more see it just sampled. Like I am hitting. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Speaking of a slightly feeling old feeling, have you been on TikTok and you seen these DJs that like show you? Did you know this song was sampled? 
And they yeah. do that. And like, I always know the sample, right? Well, I was listening yeah. to one the other day and it was like, I knew the original. I knew the one that was a big hit when I was in school. And then it kept going. And I was like, what else is there? And there was a newer song that used the sample. And I was like, God damn it. It was that. No. That no, I, I, I have like an immediate negative reaction to this. Like, get this out of my body. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, no. no, 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 I'm supposed to know everything. Okay, it's it's cool that I know songs from the 60s. That's a cute parlor trick. It's great that I know songs from the 80s. My parents were around. Of course, I knew songs from the 2000s, and then music stops. <laughs> just stops. But you know what's interesting? is like, yeah, you can sample like a sound. Like, so we've been talking about sampling the Michael McDonald thing, right? Because mm-hmm. hip hop is, is not easily covered. Yeah. You can like steal a sample, but like, or you can like sample a hook, was, did y'all hear that? Or you can sample a hook, because um, that's happened a bunch over the years. Like, you know, like sampling like something Jay-Z said, uh, then turns into another song. But you can't cover a whole hip-hop song. It's not like, you know, watching a bar band cover Tom Petty. Yeah. It's a whole different vibe if they're covering, like, Rob Bass, It Takes Two. Although that's different, though, because that's kind of like wedding vibes. It's a whole different case if they're covering Lose Yourself. Like, it's like, get out of here. You're not bunny rabbit. Like, I, I want the real deal. <laughs> Cover might have been the wrong word. I think I definitely meant sim- sample because you just like, I mean, the whole point of rapping is it's your, it's your writing and your articulation. Like, like, oh God, yeah. you can, like, I could never cover jokes. That's not a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I might, I might like uh, re-examine a premise. Like, go like, one of my favorite comics has a bit about blah. But it always makes me think, yeah. and then black, you know. But you can't, you can't just get up there and do someone else's stuff. Mm-hmm. I would be open to a regulate sequel. Sequel. Where, where uh, we couldn't because Nate G is no longer with, or uh, Nate Dog is no longer with us. Excuse me, Warren G. It'd, be, it'd kind of be like, uh, like the next generation. <laughs> like, uh, let's if we hit the east side of the LBC right now, in what way would you have to regulate? That's the question. I, I don't know. How gentrified is it? You know what I mean? Are you, I have are you, no idea. Yeah. Are you trying to regulate how much foam is in your lots? Like, you know what I yeah. mean? So many it's people. like, no, we're talking about actual city regulations about, about, about how close buildings can be close to one another. I was literally in Inglewood last week. Like, I had a really good vegan uh-huh. chicken sandwich. It's different. It's different than that song. And you're like, man, this, this, this Englewood chicken salad sandwich is up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> all right take me to your next song what is our next song on your musical journey all right next up uh we're gonna go with because i am a white man of a certain age blink 182's what's my what's my age again amazing though amazing yeah. for me that was the first blink 182 song i ever heard uh tell me about your your experience with that song i think it was probably the second one i've ever heard i remember hearing the song damn it in middle school I'm thinking it was really cool that I heard this fun song with a fun guitar riff in an episode of Dawson's Creek. (laughs) And I remember talking to my friend about it the next day in class. And I was like, do you remember that song? He's like, yeah, that's Blink-182. And I'm like, dope. Um, (laughs) So, but then the other thing too is, uh, yeah, I said I was like an MTV kid. I was obsessed with TRL. Total Request Live was like my shit to the point where... Uh, I had a two-year DJ weekly here in town called TRL Tuesdays, where I only played songs that charted on TRL. Uh, and obviously, Blink-182 is like, they're the bad boys of TRL. Not like 
not like corn or not like, you know, 50 cent, like where they're like actual bad. They were just like the jerks in the back of class uh, <laughs> with that, ad- with attitude. So run naked on the beach uh, and just being general snots and brats. And uh, it really resonated with me. They had a hold on music and fashion. Did they influence your style of dress at all back then? No, but I know what you're talking about with like uh, Travis and like famous footwear and all that shit. Uh, but no, uh, but I, but they are still part of my life because uh, I've recently been getting into, uh, I've been getting back into, or into uh, New York Times crossword puzzles. And I also am on Twitch because I need to be up on Twitch because it's like the new thing, kind of like it's been around now at this point. But uh, I follow Mark Hoppus, the lead singer of Blink-182 on Twitch. And yesterday I got a, I got a push notification that Mark Hoppus is doing the New York Times crossword puzzle on Twitch. And I'm like, hell yeah. So literally yesterday I watched Mark Hoppus do the New York Times crossword puzzle on Twitch because I was such a big fan of this song all those years ago. If you're famous enough, people will watch you do anything. That is adorable. It it was a cool intersection of interests for me where I was like, I've recently been doing the crossword a lot. I wonder if I'm as good as Mark. And I'd actually already done the puzzle or tried to do the puzzle that he was doing. And he was way better than I was like, not even close. Like that dude can do a crossword puzzle. So we got Mark Hoppus, Travis Barker, Tom DeLonge. Yeah. Refresh my memory. Who sings lead on Miss You? Uh, that's Tom. Mark sings backup on Miss You. Yes. Okay. Because that man has ruined Where are you? <laughs> the voice inside my yet. The way yet. he pronounces yeah. H's like No, lies. it's amazing. Uh, Tom is such a distinct voice. But Tom is, no, is not currently in Blink-182. Oh, he quit? Are you aware of this? So Tom has got... So, You're teaching so Tom me also. So Tom also has a band called Angels and Airwaves, which is kind of like space rock. Um, but then Tom got kicked out of the band uh, because he was, he's just kind of, I guess, a jerk. Um, but he was also, he's also really into aliens. They have songs about aliens. And he's actually like funded alien research that like has been like lauded by the CIA. Like he's out here doing all this alien stuff. And he's been replaced in the band by uh, Matt Skiba from the band Alkaline Trio. Is currently like singing Tom's parts. Uh, oh although Tom, Mark, and Travis have all been teasing a potential return on Twitter. So, oh yeah, uh, there's been a couple. They need to do another warp tour and have all of us out there with bad knees and and water bottles, like and yeah, and just and just laughing strollers. at their stupid jokes, like take off your pants and jacket. Like they are <laughs> so so juvenile, but amazing. Like they're 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 just uh, they're like. Yeah, they were like your fun skateboarding friends. Yeah, it, it was it was such a time. It just makes me think of a very specific kind of guy and girl and like the things that just, you know, when when Zoomies was the place to be and like <laughs> sure. even the preppy kids were trying to shop at Hot Topic. Like it was just a I think certain- that, that was me. I was the preppy kid who was like trying to sneak in a couple Hot Topic items into the get up. <laughs> So you didn't have like, uh, cause, oh, you know what else I think is really funny too about Travis Barker is he made this transition into hip hop a little bit where I feel like with, with, for some reason it's like famous drummers, people just like seeing them in a video. So you would just see that Mohawk and be like, ah, cool. Diddy is, is doing rock now. 
he did some cool shit with with like Lil Wayne too over the years. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's had an opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff. He's a badass drummer. I know a lot of like drummer friends of mine are like they get really frustrated with how good a drummer he is and how simple the music he plays is. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta know all the rules to break them. Hmm. Now I gotta know. This is what I'm very curious about. I have to know if he still has that mohawk because no, he doesn't. There's no. He's way. just sha- he's just shaved head now. There's no way because I just I mean, how sad would it be to see a male pattern mohawk like with a male pattern bald that's going through? It? I mean, that's always a thing with like the, these hair metal guys from like the '80s. Like that's why like Brett Michaels rocks a bandana, you know, on on Rock of Love. Yeah, because hair is cause... attached to it. three so this is that so like when this came out is different than like where i approach it in life and it's a it's a bruce springsteen song called rosalita uh and it's uh just a phenomenal song uh you know as a a boy who originally grew up in the northeast i'm from boston originally uh bruce is just such this like working man's hero and uh, this song, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't know it, Jasmine. I don't. Because I got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm but it's, so, it's, it's, so it's just like a long-winded song filled with lyrics, like oppressively filled with lyrics. It's just so long, uh, so much going on. But really, it's a story about Bruce, like, trying to overcome some, like, reputation stuff uh, and being, like, this, like, Kind of like what we were talking about a little bit, maybe with Marin Morris earlier, where he's like trying to break out and be this musician that people take seriously. And there's this great uh, part in the song towards the end of it that is just so exuberant and so joyous. And it's like one of my favorite lyrics and like vocal performances ever like put down a tape uh, because uh, Bruce is talking about this girl, Rosie, which is his nickname for the girl, Rosalita. Uh, he's talking about how her dad doesn't take him seriously. And like, uh, it's, it's basically like a young love story. And there's this one part in the song where Bruce, uh, I'm, I'm going to like flub the lyric, but basically he just exuberantly is like talking about how like, Rosie, you can come with me. You can come with me. And, and, and I just got off the phone with the record company, Rosie, and they're giving me a big advance. And it's like about how like joyous he is that he got this money and he can take care of your, the, your daughter and come on out. And it's just like this big celebratory in the in, moment in the song amidst uh, some pretty uh, fun saxophone lines. It is, it's just, it's a blast. And I also really think back to the guys I grew up with and how much they love that song, how much they love Bruce. And it's a big wedding hit song in the Northeast. <laughs> and uh, I have like distinct memories of like, jumping in tune with the beat to this song and it's uh at, at some of my friends weddings and uh yeah it's just it's just a, uh brings back fun memories so it's very anthemic is what i'm getting from that like it's just like this yeah you, you hear it you it fills the room and it makes you feel like kind of like the end of a romantic comedy where you're rooting for the couple like they may yeah they're gonna be okay kind of that's kind of what this feels like so it comes on a, on a on a on an album called uh the wild the innocent and the east street shuffle 
which is a uh, uh, East Street is also the name of Bruce's backing band, the East Street. So band. that's not the that's not the album where the cover is his butt, right? I know that one. No, that's born. That's born to run, or is it born? No, that's born in the USA. Sorry, that's born in the USA. As a very the flash, casual yeah. Springsteen observer, I, I, I know those jeans. I know that butt well. Yeah, that's I know that. that's born in the USA. Um, but the uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very anthemic. But uh, all, all Bruce songs pretty much are of uh, before a certain era until like in like the '90s and like into today. He's taken on a lot more of like some of that folksy charm. Whereas before he was more of like a heartland rocker and, you know, now he's doing like voiceover ads in the Super Bowl for Jeep because he represents <laughs> some folksy ideals. So, um, yeah, just a, a big, big hit, uh, amongst me and my friends. So as a, as a Boston guy, as a, yeah. as a Boston Which we'll, we'll have more of that in another song in the next song. In fact. Okay. I, I want to acknowledge your Boston roots. I, I think <laughs> of you as a Texan cause you've been here so long and you like yeah. run a big, uh, a big a, a voice for the people of DFW and like connect a lot of people to like culturally what's going on with music and food and, and sometimes comedy and like lots of different things like that. So it's interesting to see your like Northeasterny roots there with Bruce Springsteen. Cause I know everybody well, who's from out there loves him. Yeah, I don't know. So this is part of like the struggle of putting together this list. Like I was thinking of like, do I just do like my five biggest Dallas songs or like Texas songs? But uh, the the way you prompted me was, uh, you know, important songs in your life. And and when oh, no, no, I wanted and, to know or, what was important to you, not or, that, or that that, that, yeah. te- that tell my life story. I think is what you said. And yeah. that like, you know, when when you're asked a question that implies something that sweeping, I think you ultimately you like that ultimately draws on nostalgia. So I was thinking about like my upbringing and I think that's how I landed on a lot of these songs. Do you have a particular memory that you associate with this song? With Rosalita? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have a bunch of memories actually with this song. Uh, I think of, yeah, like I said, uh, definitely my friend Dave's wedding. I mean, it was played at my sister's wedding. Uh, I don't think it was, but like, I feel like it was played at prom. Um, (laughs) Probably was. I definitely, I definitely have taught my fiance this song and she loves it now too. And she like, it's, it's, you don't like, you gotta listen to this song because it's, it's kind of like this. We're in like a jammy period with Bruce where it's like very all over musically. Uh, but like, there's a lot of like chanting and singing along. And like I said, when that, that record label advance part comes on, it's just like this huge euphoric moment. Uh, so I, I honestly just think of like being midair and pogoing on a wedding dance floor, like with a fist in the air. Of this song. I was like, what is pogoing? <laughs> pogo, yeah, like a, like a pogo stick. It's, it's, so that's like something that happens at punk shows. Kids are always pogoing in the crowd. Okay. That sounds fun. Oh, dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. It's a blast. Never been to a punk show. I feel like that is, is, is someone who's a touch anxious about people with Doc Martin stepping on me. Uh, <laughs> like I, just... I mean, like a, a pop punk show is a blast. A hardcore punk show, like I've gotten black eyes. And it's like, yeah. no, thank you. I remember the cool uh, kids when I was in high school would come back all banged up from being at the Lizard Lounge. And I was like, sounds like a good time. <laughs> I have a I have a curfew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could not yeah. do it. So the take Lizard me to Lounge. your number four song. What's your fourth song on your list? So that my fourth song 
is even more Boston because Bruce is Jersey, Ooh, but the, the bad boy, the bad boys of Boston themselves are Aerosmith. Yeah. And uh, I love all those songs off Get a Grip, you know, the Liv Tyler music and Alicia Silverstone music video trilogy of Amazing, Crying, and Crazy. Um, but I think my favorite Aerosmith jam is their 1980s love ballad, Angel, which is just oh. like where, like, it's just like super 80s cheese. Uh, and I'm just really here for it. The video is insane. Uh, because like production qualities weren't great in music videos at the time. So it's just like very clearly the angel, like the love interest in the movie is just like filmed on another lot. And Steven Tyler's like grasping at midair, like a woman that isn't there because she really isn't. It sounds so bad. Uh, it's so bad. But the, but the song, uh, I don't know. It's real. I think it's really just the Bostonian in me that uh, I, I think it's like, you know, when you grow up in Dallas, maybe you like, you know, Mr. Pookie, Mr. Lucci, you know, but when he grew up in Boston, you know, the bad boys of Boston, Aerosmith. So that is, uh, I, I'm surprised, I'm not surprised at your choice of Aerosmith. I'm surprised that you chose that ballad. Like there's just so many other Aerosmith, like, so take me to why that specific song. Is it just the cheesiness of the video and it takes you to like a specific place or, or is it like maybe the lyrics do something, do they remind you of say a past love, a first love, something of that nature? They, uh, it's a very like love lorn song. It makes me think of like every time I've like been in love. Sure. And then it makes me think of my current love. Uh, but it's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm just really showing off my big softiness here. Like we're talking, this is like a Supreme eighties rock ballad, like love ballad. This is like the only reason it wasn't, do you remember that, that uh, uh, infomercial for the, the compilation uh, monster ballads? You might be too no. young for this even. So in the in the nineties, in the nineties, in the nineties, there was there would always be like uh like th- okay, you know now this is that's what I call music. Do you remember those? Yes, and I do remember those kind of commercials that would come on that'd be like, but for me it was like the ones on BET that would come with the commercial would come on like two o'clock in the morning, like these are the soul grooves of the seventies. And it'd be like a hundred yeah, so, songs for so nine, it, in the late in the late nineties and early aughts on MTV, it would be like it was called Monster Ballads, and it was like White Snake, Guns N' Roses, and just all their love songs, all their cheesy love songs. And uh, I just think they couldn't afford Aerosmith, and that's why Aerosmith wasn't on there. But like that song is like the pinnacle of it for me. It's also Aerosmith is a wild band where they've had hits in like six different decades. It's it's truly unreal, um, and they're always reinventing themselves, and they're still going. I'm calling this episode Monster Ballads and Freedom Fries. So that is your legacy <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that all is right, your legacy right. in the world. I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> Just excited on it. I, 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 I am really excited. So I got a question for you because there's two songs here that I've never heard before. I'm familiar with the artist. But yeah, and I'm starting to worry that you're not going to hear the other one. So I also, no, I, I thought about worried. Because I, I was also thinking like, what are some songs that I can just like geek out with, ja- with Jasmine? Because I was thinking about doing like, do wop that thing by Lauren Hill. Cause that's like up there for me too. And that's kind of a TRL jam for a while. And that was a go-to DJ song for me too. But like, I think it, you know, I also thought let's do me. Let's, let's do me. Yeah. 
I'm definitely getting an overly hospitable air sign vibe from you. Like you're trying to accommodate me on my own show. Like, don't worry. This is my house. You're welcome. Take your shoes off. My question is, all right. Well, what you're really getting is the duality of Gemini. Oh, Gemini's are air signs. Gemini's are air signs. All right. I'm a a crystal loving bitch from LA now. All right. Yeah, there you go. So my question for you is, I've never heard Bruce Springsteen's, uh, what song was it? Uh, Rosalita. I've never heard Rosalita. I've never heard Aerosmith's Angel. What type of mood should I put myself in to hear these songs for the first time? Do Are these Chardonnay songs? Are these beer songs? Should I be in the car? Should I be at home? If you're like, if you could experience those songs for the first time again, because I'm in for a treat, I get to. What setting would you want to put yourself in for both of them? So they're big nostalgia songs for me. So I tend to listen to them like Sunday morning cleanup or like making eggs around the house. But that's like a real, that's like the most personal music listening time ever. I think it might be, like, don't you think it is? Like that's when people go back to what they really want to listen to. Especially if your partner's Um, not awake yet and you're just kind of, it's your little piece of the house to yourself. It's like, yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to hear Earl Smith or Bruce right now. (laughs) I'm going to take care of that. Uh, I would say, I mean, this, these are some, these are some big, the, the caucasity in my selection is quite clear. I would Do say it's like. Do not apologize for your caucasity. Stand in it. Stand in it. <laughs> no, I would say it's, it's big. Like, a, uh, you know, okay, here's when to listen to these songs on. Uh, I would say like, while grilling in the afternoon with a beer at a, at a friend's pool. I see it. I'm vivid. Like not a party. It's not a party. It's a kickback. That, it's not that a party. part right it's, there. And it's, uh, and it's like, these. you know what these songs also kind of are? They're kind of like Tiny Dancer and Almost Famous. They're like the kind of songs that a certain crowd will sing along to. So it's like you want like some, it's like an intimate, an intimate group listen is when I would listen to these songs. It's giving me dive bar, which makes me long for the before times. Yeah. So, okay. I'm also vaccinated and I went out to a concert this weekend. There's concerts again? What a beautiful thing to hear. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and yeah, no. Uh, so I also, so I wrote, I, I used this turn of phrase in an article about my experience. Because uh, I too refer to them as the before times. So what do you call the now times? The now times? The after times? Or what I call them, and I'm very proud of this, if we have the before times, we have the after party. Hey. So we're, we're in an after party. I can see that. I mean, I've been and hearing after the party, it's the Waffle House. And if you've ever been here, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been hearing about like vaccinated people hooking up in bathrooms and shit. Like it's starting. It's like you just flash vaccine card at someone and then you give each other that look and it's on. Like people have been pent up. There's a lot. I'm only I'm only I've only had one shot so far. And then I did as I did a live show like in person with people. And Andy Dick was there. And if there's just anyone who I feel like has had a little bit of everything, it's Andy Dick. And I was just like, if I get COVID this close to the finish line, <laughs> yeah. I'll be so mad at myself. It was wild though. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, this was kind of a punk show. Um, it was a limited capacity. Everyone was wearing their masks. Um, nice. Yeah. You know, people would was be it? out in the patio smoking and drinking and then they'd have their masks off. Um, it was a local Dallas band called Rose Garden Funeral Party. They're kind of like a post-punk vibe. It was at Three Links, which is uh, a much-beloved establishment here in, in Deep Ellum. 
And it was, uh, it was wild because like, it was, it was a lot of people around my age, which I guess is like mid to late thirties who like gotten their vax. And then like a lot of like really young kids who just like, didn't give a fuck. (laughs) And, uh, so it was kind of like, at first it felt really awkward, but then like we really quickly eased back into it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think like so long as you're being careful and you're wearing your mask, that's really all you can do. Uh, I'm kind of over fighting people on masks at this point. So like, if if y'all want to go out and be buck wild, do your thing. But like, I'll, I'll wear my mask to be like a responsible, good citizen. But also, like, I got my back, so I'm a, I'm gonna be out here wilding out too. I just feel like until the problem is, is there are gonna be people who have no intention of getting the vaccine who will lie and say they have had it. And they just will. ultimately that's just that's just gonna fuck them though. But here's what pisses me off is you've got your service workers. Like my sister is my sister is vaccinated uh, because she's a teacher and she has asthma. But she said there's this couple that walked into her job the other day and they were like, no, we don't wear masks. And she was like, well, what is our policy? We have a sign right here. And she says, well, we're vaccinated. She says, Again, it's our policy. We oh yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Wear your mask. But like, 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 don't like if if you want to say you've been vaccinated, that's fine. But you still got to wear your mask. Like, yes, you can't go, you can't go in there maskless. Like you have to respect the policies of the place. And that, that's what was fun about this show was like, everyone was masked up. And I did see like one guy at one point just like forgot to have his mask and they just like tossed him a mask from behind the bar and like, put it on. He did. Yeah. See, it doesn't have to be this country. That was my only concern with Abbott getting rid of the rules. I was like, great. Now people who are struggling to make $9 an hour have to fight Joe and Catherine. Yeah. That's the problem. it, it, create, it creates, it emboldens the people who want that confrontation. And I yes. can promise you as someone who used to work in the service industry, it ain't the workers who want that confrontation. It's it's the proverbial Karens and Kens out here who want to like flex their politics and, and, and opinions every single place they go. So, you know, but like I, I'm also encouraged and, and maybe I'm, I'm a little blinded to it because I was fortunate to get uh, like my call to come get vaccinated. And then even crazier and I'm hyped about it is I got the one shot. It's like one and done. Like I didn't have to wait four weeks between my doses, then another two weeks or two weeks and I was out. So bastard. Right. (laughs) Thank you. I I don't mean to brag, but like I'm hyped about it. I'm Uh, jealous. So another crazy thing, and I don't mean, but like uh, I got it on a day when they were doing the Johnson and Johnson and it was very early in Johnson Johnson, like rolling out people turned around they're like i don't want the one shot i want the two shot i want, I want the full deal and it's like well the one shot is still a full de- full deal so i would recommend the one because it's just like get it on get it over with but uh yeah i don't know i think it's it's all about just proper vibes and at a certain point people are going to continue to get vaccinated i think we're at i was looking at it today we're currently at like 30 percent of texans have their first dose or no, sorry, that's it's like 22%. Good. 22% of Texans at their first dose. It's only like 11% that's been fully vaccinated. But like, we're slowly getting there. Abbott just had to go out and like, kick the legs out from under the chair too early because that's like his MO. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I, I guess my reaction to your question earlier, or your assertion earlier was like, at a certain point, the people who don't want to get vaxxed are just going to be fucking themselves. And yeah. uh, all, all the all the rest of us can do is just be responsible and uh, wear our masks and just like not create scenes. Which, by the way, like that was a rule in the before times too. Don't create a fucking scene. 
right? Like when, when did that become, when did that become an okay thing to do? That's the funny thing is it's like nobody was like kicking and screaming and acting a fool when they were told to wear shoes. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't a thing. Yeah. But because of just like, you know, the politicalization of what was going on, then it became this thing like you're infringing my rights. It's like there's dress codes everywhere all the time, every day. All right. And yeah. it's just it is what it is. And we're even provide like I know this and the before times if you walked into a business without a shirt, no one said, oh, we've got extra shirts if you'd like one, sir. You know what I mean? Like they're doing everything well, I, they I can, can tell to you this. people. The, pe- the people who are complaining about having to wear masks are not the same or they're 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 the ones who don't mind like racist dress codes being enforced. Like they're totally fine with being like, that part. oh, you can't you can't wear Jordans in here or you can't wear a backwards hat in here. Or you can't wear like a basketball jersey in here. But as soon as you tell them they have to wear put a mask on. They flip out. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> is Uptown still horribly racist? Uh, I mean, Dallas is a bad history of racism. There's, you know, there's racism throughout this city. I just, I'll never forget, you know, just being like just a hot to try, super cute 22 year old going to the club with my friends. And this black guy was in front of me. And this thing is just like, if you're the black girl in a group of white people, they don't really check you. You know what I mean? But if you're a black person by yourself, then there's an issue with every little thing you do. And I remember this black guy in front of me, he's dressed fantastic, you know, very 2012 Armani exchange shirt with the super crispy dark jeans and the dress yeah. pants, pick dress shoes, picture it, if you will. And yeah. no, 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 it wasn't. He had an Armani exchange shirt. I remember that. And the door guy, I kid you not, was wearing fucking overalls with no shirt under it. Like an actual, like cart, like a cartoon of a hillbilly. And he didn't let the guy in because his shirt didn't have a collar. And I was like, but you're not wearing a shirt. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's just the goalpost always moves. Uh, it's whatever it's whatever people want the goalpost to be to fit their agenda. And uh, today, today it's masks. So, uh, you know, once upon a time, it was T-shirts that were too long. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's always something, uh, so, unfortunately. Okay, so now I have, I, have a, uh, I have a schedule for this weekend. I'm going to make some eggs and listen to Bruce, Bruce Springsteen and Aerosmith and get myself a little okay. vibe for that. So right. introduce me to one more song. What is your song? So my last song. So one, one thing I was kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing I was kind of surprised about when I put this list together and I'm not saying this because I consider Blink-182 in that mix, but the last three are all kind of classic rock songs or classic rock vibes, which uh, I think is me just maybe getting older and realizing how much these songs mean to me. But this last song is by a band called Sweet, and it's called Ballroom Blitz. And you might not think you've heard it, but if you've seen the movie Wayne's World, it's the song that Cassandra's band sings uh, when it's like... Uh, and the man in the back, as a matter of fact, the riser, as rich as the sun. She thinks she's the passionate one. Oh, you know that song? Ballroom Maybe? Blitz. Like, I know it. Yeah, it's yeah, a commercial. There you go. It's a, yeah, there you go. It, it, it's a, it, big, it, car, a big car commercial vibes. I was going to say, if a car company has gotten the license to it, I, I watch a terrible amount of television. I've definitely heard it then, for sure. I know that yeah, song. Yeah, almost certainly like Mazda vibes. Uh, vroom, 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 ballroom blitz, probably. I drive a uh, Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to love it. Yeah, so I, I love ballroom blitz. Uh, this is interesting, perhaps, but it's full circle with that first song. This is my other go-to karaoke song. Really? It's so many lyrics. It's so fast. It's fast and it's high, but it's short. And it's this. So now here's the difference between if I do regulate at karaoke, some people are going to turn around excitedly, but most of them are going to like roll their eyes and look back at the stage. If I do this song, 
most people look around and like, huh, I like this song. This is a this song is big. I don't know it, but I like it. Energy. No one thinks about this song. But if this song comes on at like Six Flags, you're gonna be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, ballroom blitz. Let's go. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it also makes sense with like the Wayne's World connection. I've never seen Wayne's World. It's just like okay. That's something you do need to watch. You don't need to watch you don't you don't need to watch High Fidelity, but you gotta watch Wayne's World. Really? What am I missing with Wayne's World? Uh, and by the way, I thought Wayne's World and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure were the same movie forever. Uh, I no, thought no, it was no, no. And, <laughs> and just for the record, Wayne's World's way better than Bill and Ted. And also Wayne's okay. World 2 is better than Bill and Ted. Uh, you're watching Mike Myers at the top of his game and also Dana Carvey at the top of his game. Uh, you're watching some incredible... Uh, you're watching early uh, to comedy Rob Lowe as the villain... Uh, you're watching T. You're watching T. Carrere at the peak of her foxydom. In two, you've uh, great Kim Basinger cameo. Uh, it's just it's incredible. It's it's really funny, uh, and I think relatable as a creative, because both Cassan- Cassandra and Wayne are both on the verge of like maybe something happening for their career. They're they're stuck in this bum ass suburb called Aurora, Illinois. They're waiting to burst out, and certain things happen, uh, and hilarity ensues. Okay, it sounds like a good time. I'm gonna look it up for sure because there was a nice. You era should, all right, so like, you're, 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 yeah, here's what it's all. I, it it might be the best SNL movie. I was about to say, like I remember the SNL era, and I've seen I've seen some of the bad ones. I saw Night at the Roxbury. I saw better than that. Pat, which is like better, when you look back now, is so problematic. <laughs> Um, so and problem. <laughs> so problematic. Although the actress who played Pat actually, um, there's a show on Showtime, uh, and there's this character who is a trans woman and runs into her in the street and goes, you, you made my life hell. And she like, there's like a whole conversation that happens between them about like well, what I guess it's, it's, I guess that's cool. She addressed it. Mm-hmm. And she addressed how like she thinks about it now and like what the character, like how it makes her feel icky, you know, because she didn't want to make like yeah. at the time, you know, a person who wasn't a boy or a girl was such a crazy novel concept. Um, whoa. Um, wow. And then I just saw the ladies man. Like I was in a hotel and could not Wayne's find the better than ladies man. Wayne's <laughs> better than ladies man. Ladies man is uh, terrible, but in a good way. Well, if you think ladies man is in a good way, terrible, then you will love Wayne's World, because Wayne's World is great in a good way. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. You have put a lot on my shoulders. I have a lot to listen to, a lot to watch. Yeah, so here's so here's here's what you're gonna do. You're, you're gonna you're gonna have a, for days. You know this. You have a you have a barbecue with some beer at a friend's pool house. Listen listen to Aerosmith and Bruce, and then you're and then like as the sun sets, y'all are gonna come inside, crash on the couch. And you're still damp bathing suits with your towels wrapped around you, laughing at what at Wayne's World. That's a, that's a whole vibe, right? Why does that memory taste like when you put Doritos between two pieces of white bread? That is such a specific feeling. As a kid, did you yeah. ever do that with like like sandwich? Yeah, sandwich yeah, and that comes, it come, it come, yeah, that come, that comes with Mountain Dew. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, I want a trashy sandwich right now. Maybe I should close oh, up some sure. trashy sandwich. Tra- trashy <laughs> 90s sandwiches. Yes. For sure. So, 
It's a very aesthetic thing. Well, that's going to wrap up our day for the day. Thank you so much, Pete, for coming on and sharing and getting vulnerable with me, sharing these amazing songs that have helped shape us. And, you know, looking back on the Dixie Chicks and some of the best moments in Dallas music history, or not some of the best, but some of the most memorable, at least. So as we like to wrap up the show, one of the last things we do is we do a listener letter. So we got a listener letter uh, asking us, what is your favorite breakup song? And I think I'm going to stick with that question and ask you that one. So what is your favorite breakup song? Tyrone by Erica Badu. Yes. Come get oh, your shit, Tyrone. Because uh, I've actually been very fortunate to cover and interact with Erica so much over the years. Uh, as, you know, someone who writes on Dallas culture, and she's obviously like the Dallas musical icon uh, for so many reasons. She's also genuinely hilarious one of the funniest people i've ever like come across um and tyrone is a hilarious song uh where she's like uh you gotta call you know you gotta call up all your friends jim john james and tyrone and uh she's just clowning on him and it's uh yeah it's 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 very funny uh the funny thing about tyrone the song tyrone that people forget is tyrone's not the name of the guy she's breaking up with it's the name of his friend (laughs) Yeah. So she's not just clowning on you. She's clowning on your whole crew of friends, including that broke-ass Tyrone, uh, <laughs> which is just great. That's, I mean, that's like, that's as torch song as it gets. That is great. Uh, I, What's your favorite? I, always, I was going to say, I changed it from last week. I think my new favorite, which is still very old, because you brought up a great point about killer punchlines in a song. Mm. And I'm going to go with Whitney Houston's It's Not Right, But It's Okay. Because she okay. says, um, she's like, there's this point where she's like, I caught you lying. And you said, um, you know, you and your friends went out to dinner last week. And if and if six of y'all went out, then four of y'all are really cheap. Because only two of you had dinner. I found the credit card and receipt. And I love that line where she's like, so you have four broke ass friends? Or like, or you with one I think, bitch? Like, I love that I think, line. I think it's similar, similar vibes to Tyrone, where both these songs are women. I'm not even like, they're not even trying to fight anymore. They're just like, no, it's over. Yes, I love they're that. Like, 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 like no, it's not. So that's the interesting thing about it's not right, but it's okay. She's kind of saying it's all right and it's okay. Like mm-hmm. this is the whole com- this is the whole completion. Like we're done, and I have distinct that's short hair Whitney. Yeah, like short 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 Bob Whitney in, in that that music video, uh, With which the I always GA situation. Yeah, it always also reminds me of like because I think it had like green like electricity vibes to it. I might be mm-hmm. at, making that up, but like it reminds me a lot of the Share Believe video, which was also different. No, you're right. There was an aesthetic, late, late 90s. Uh, I guess you would call it like millennium futuristic chic. So it was like yeah. shiny leathers, really shiny. Yeah. That's so coming let's back. Call, let's call it what it is. Ma- Matrix, Matrix vibes. You're right. Big Matrix vibes. Big Matrix vibes. So it was very <laughs> much like Whitney's gotten into a Matrix where she jump, where she dumps Bobby Brown. And mentally, you know, I kind of wanted her to stay there and she didn't. Um, (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P. All right. Well, we're going to have to break up with the show for the day. That's going to wrap up tonight's episode. So Pete, 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 where can people find more of your work, more of you, more of your coolness that you got going on? Where should they find you online? Uh, At Pete Friedman, P-E-T-E-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N on the Twitter and Instagram and then you can uh, check out Central Track, which is my publication, 
that covers all things Dallas culturally related. Uh, Central track, one word, or central underscore track, depending on the medium. Uh, but check us out. Uh, I think you'll find some some fun fun stuff. Uh, no matter whether you're Dallas or, or elsewhere, uh, you'll, you'll find some interesting stuff, I think. Always interesting. Always a pleasure. If you guys had fun with Rhythm and Bay today, make sure you rate us. We need those five stars. That's literally how other people find us. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere they have podcasts. And of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm and Bay Podcast. Uh, I'm so sorry. Instagram and Facebook at Rhythm and Bay Podcast. On Twitter, it's Bay Rhythm and. I messed that up and I can't fix it. So again, look up up Bay Rhythm and on Twitter. Rhythm and Bay Podcast everywhere else and my name is jasmine ellis uh no i am not carly red's daughter i got asked that today so find me on some lady from love and hip-hop anyway jasmine ellis comedy (laughs) jasmine ellis comedy on all the things and thank you guys so much for listening and for tuning in as always have a fantastic week and keep it smooth (laughs) 